I want to share this passage. And many, we've, we've, I'm sure if you've read your Bible, uh, you've, you've ran across this passage of Scripture. And uh, several years ago, we studied uh, the book of First and Second Peter. Uh, but I want to I want to talk to you a little bit today because I want to I want to um, get our mindset focused on on how we in our own individual ways have to learn to cast our cares upon Jesus and learn how to lead amen uh, in our own little way. Every one of us has an opportunity to lead and to influence someone which y'all agree. Uh, you may not be called to quote leadership in the church sense, uh, but I promise you, you have impact and you have the ability and the power to influence people within your circle. Amen. The circles in which you walk in. Uh, but let's look at first uh, Peter chapter five, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number one. And we'll, we'll entitle this casting your care on Jesus. Everybody say casting your care on Jesus. That is vitally important because many believers, although have, have a born again experience, have not truly embraced this, uh, this particular passage in the doctrine of being able to cast all of our cares upon Jesus. In other words, uh, to get to a state, a point in your life where you're not allowing the affairs of this life to worry you. Well, you're not allowing the situation that we all face to have you distrusting your source of life, which is Jesus Christ. Get into the point to where you, you can cast it on him, leave it there and don't go and pick it back up. How many of you have been guilty like I have been of throwing it over on Jesus and sometimes going back and picking back up? Anybody ever been before? Okay, I'm, I, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to trust you through this. And then, then all of a sudden you find yourself going back and picking it up and worrying about it again. All right, God doesn't want us to do that uh, because really when we do that, it's, it, it is a sign that we, we don't trust him fully and completely. So let's start at verse number one. And Peter is, is, is authoring this particular letter, right? The Apostle Peter, the very one who we know at a period of time in his life where he uh, failed miserably. Uh, but he made a, 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 a significant comeback. How many of you know that you can have failures in life, but you can have a comeback? Everybody say comeback. All right. Uh, the game ain't over till it's over. <laughs> can I get a witness? And I, lo- I love to use sports analogy. Paul used sports analogy. And there have been many times where you, you've watched a game and a team may be down Let's say even in football, down by three touchdowns in the second half or down by four touchdowns in the second half. And then everybody starts to leave the game, right? Uh, because they, they just assume that it's over. Uh, but it ain't over till it's over. And there have been many occasions where teams have been down by two, three, four touchdowns and then come back to win the ball game in the second half. And I believe that, guys, our lives should be in such a way that we don't ever give up that we trust God, he's going to give us victory in every situation. But watch this, right? So Peter, Peter, the apostle Peter, the one who denied Jesus, but yet now he's standing tall, amen, under the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he writes this letter to encourage the believers. He said, now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, and I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Watch this verse two. Let's go. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. Let's read. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Verse four. Let's go. It says, and when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never ending glory and honor. Verse five, in the same way, you you younger men must accept the authority of the elders and all of you serve each other in humility for God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. Uh, So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God at the the right time. He will lift you up in honor. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Let's read that again, which is really our focal point. It says, well, give all your worries and cares to God 
for he cares about you. Now, I want to stop right there just for just a smidgen of a minute. (laughs) When this says give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you. If you find yourself and I find myself not giving all my worries over to God, am I out of the will of God at that point? Would you agree that, that, that that's what they're saying? Because there's an understood you in front of the word give, right? You give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. So if I ever find myself as a believer holding on to worries and cares and not effectively turning them over to God, then what, at that point in time, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really out the will, outside the will of God because what God is trying to do uh, with us in our life as believers is trying to get us to trust him totally and completely. He, because we belong to him, he wants us to trust him totally and completely. No matter what the situation is, he wants us to trust him totally and completely. Verse 8, 9, and 10, this reads, it's what, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Verse 9, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. Okay, verse 10, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore support and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation. Okay, on a firm foundation. Verse number seven again. And let's look at it one more time. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Now watch this. In these verses, we find spiritual wisdom that every church needs to catch hold of and begin to apply in their congregations. Amen. As Peter writes this letter to the saints, he's trying to encourage them to stand in the midst of fiery trials and persecution. Now, one of the reasons I believe that that God would have us to talk about this particular passage tonight is because I, I seriously believe that there, we're, we're in an era and a time, we're coming to a period where when you as a, a Christian stand for biblical truth, when we as a church uh, decide to make the Lord our Lord, his word our God, and stand on that word, there's, we're, we're living in an era and a time in America where that type of steadfastness to God uh, unwavering truth is going to cause us to be persecuted by those that are in the media and those that are out there in the world. Are y'all listening to me today? So we, we would do well to grasp this and begin to understand it. So Peter, when he writes this again, he's trying to encourage them to stand in the midst of fiery trials and persecution. Times of persecution require God's people to have the appropriate spiritual leadership, which y'all agree. And, and if, if judgment is to begin at God's house, which according to what 1 Peter 4, 17 tells us, then that house had better be in order or it's going to fall apart. When judgment begins to come in the house of God, when, when we begin to purge those who, 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 who pretend like they belong to Jesus, but they really don't. See, there's, I, I, I really believe this. Anything that's going to grow is going to have uh, some purging that takes place. Are y'all listening to me today? And I believe even us as individual Christians, as we begin to really truly grow in our faith and stop being kind of halfway growing and being carnal minded, when we really start standing for Jesus and standing for truth, uh, there are going to be some friends that we have that going to start to, to fade away from us because we're not doing the same thing that they're doing. We're not still gossiping like they were gossiping. We're not still amen, indulging the same thing they've been indulging in. And pretty soon you're going to find people who used to be close to you, they're not going to be around you any longer. And I, and I believe this also that, that, that there are going to be believers uh, who are going to stand tall during the midst of persecution, who are going to stand uh, firm on God's truth, and those who really, who really believe this Bible are going to become evident during the times that we're living in now. And those who are kind of cursory believers, those who are kind of halfway in, halfway dedicated, they're going to be exposed when it's time for you really to stand in truth. So again, uh, in this fifth chapter, Peter writes a special message to the leaders of the church to encourage them to do their work faithfully. Amen. And he was concerned that the leadership in the local churches 
be at its best. And I, that, that's one concern that I have as a pastor is that we have spiritual leaders in the church who are being the best leaders they can possibly be. And I will tell you that, that we have a, a lot of work to do as it relates to developing and cultivating leadership in the church. And that's some things that we're going to be praying through about how, how, how do we as a church body best do that so that, so that we can empower people to lead courageously. So we can empower people, amen, to lead spiritually and be in that proper place and do it the way God wants it done. Okay, so when the fiery trial will come, amen, the believers in the assembly uh, would, would, would look to their elders, amen, uh, for encouragement and direction. And that's going to happen when the church faces persecution in these last and evil days that we're living in. Amen. Leaders who run away in times of difficulty are only proving that they are hirelings. And not true shepherds. You remember what Jesus said? Go to John the 10th chapter, verse number 12 through 14. Listen to what Jesus said, okay? Uh, uh, watch this, John chapter number 10, verse 12 through 14. Watch this real quickly. We're going we're gonna to get into the meat of what, what Peter is talking about. He says, Jesus says, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. And he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. 13 and 14. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. All right. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. That's what Jesus said. Verse 15, a good measure. He says, just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. A true elder, a true shepherd, a true leader, a man cares about those who are up under their leadership. A true leader doesn't run away during times of adversity, during times of persecution. A true leader is going to stand tall and, and, and show that he cares about those who are under his, his or her leadership. Now, uh, think about this from a, from a, from a business perspective. Uh, from a business perspective, if you are a manager of a company or a restaurant, whatever type of company it may be, uh, your management skills are going to be on display, I think, really and truly during times of economic downturn. If every boat is rising and if the economy is booming, you may, everybody's making money hand over fist, then you can you, you open the doors and you do a decent enough job, then people are going to be buying your product, Right. But when times of adversity, when people start to make conscious decisions, whether or not your product is better than this one over here, and I'm going to decide to, I got to decide how I'm going to spend these limited resources, then you as a manager, when you begin to run that operation and, and run it in such a way that, that the people decide they're going to come to your company because you provide good customer service. You, you know, uh, one of the things that I've come to realize is that every place doesn't, doesn't, doesn't have a good customer service concept. And here's what I've decided. I've decided as a born again believer that, that the dollars that God has blessed me with, I want to spend them wisely and I want to spend it at places of excellence. I don't want to spend my money at a place that, that won't treat me like uh, I'm the best customer that they got. Because uh, it's God's money that I'm spending and I want to spend it at a place that provides the type of service, amen, that, that God would want them to provide. Uh, and, 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 and so, so when you're a, a good leader, a good manager, it, it's gonna, it's gonna show during times of adversity. Uh, just like I told you before, good friends and real friends will be shown during times of adversity. Not during the good time. Not when you agree on everything. Good friends will be shown when you are going through something. Are y'all with me today? A good parent, amen, is seen when times are difficult to arise with that young boy, that young girl that they have. Uh, and so how you parent, amen, during times when you have, there are challenges. How many of y'all have challenges with your children before? I mean, and some, some challenges are, 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 you know, a little bit, you know, different than others. Uh, and every child, especially if you got more than one child, they're different, aren't they? Am I right about it? anybody? If, if you got more than one, you know that they're different. And your 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 parenting skill set versus this one. I mean, maybe you thought you did a pretty good job. You didn't have to get on. They did did their homework. Uh, you know, they never got in trouble. Um, they always came home 
before the curfew, y'all, you know, that kind of child, y'all got that kind? And then you got the other one who's going to try you. Right? The other one who's going who's to put your parenting skills to the test. Am I right about it? And so, 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 so really, you know, when you, when you begin to have to use those parenting skill sets that God gave you and, and put God's word into practice as you handle that young one, it's really going to be put to the test during times of difficulty. Okay? So let's look again. again. Uh, go back to uh, First Peter, the fifth chapter, and let's let's walk a little bit closely through this. Okay, so uh, elders, elders, uh, something we need to understand: the New Testament churches were organized under the leadership of elders and deacons, and the words elder and bishop refer to the same office. When you, when you look at Acts the twentieth chapter, we don't have time to go to Acts twenty seventeen and Acts twenty and twenty eight. The word bishop is also tra- often translated as overseer. Okay. Uh, an elder refers to the maturity of the officer and bishop refers to the responsibility of the office. Okay. Because again, guys, we, we, will have people, uh, uh, in the church that hold in positions, but are not mature in, in their outlook and how they handle those who they are leading. Can I get a witness? Um, uh, there, there are many who, who hold the office of a bishop and it's sad to say is, and they have not matured in their faith to the point to where they are providing the type of leadership that that God would desire for them to provide. OK, so so elders, elders were church officers who provided supervision, protection, discipline, instruction and direction for the other believers. And elders carried great responsibility and they were expected to be good examples. All right. So, 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 so what are some of the characteristics of those, uh, of the good leaders in the church then? Well, number one, write this down. Uh, they realize that they are caring for God's flock and not their own. A good leader will understand whether you are a, a, a Sunday school teacher, whether you are a, a deacon, trustee, whether you are a, uh, a, a ministry leader, you're a youth leader, whether you are, you know, associate pastor, minister, whatever, uh, you, you know, when you realize that what you are doing, amen, uh, w- those who you are caring for belong to God and not your own, then that's a sign that you are maturing and you, you're recognizing your role in, uh, in, in the things of God. One of the things that, that, that I think hinders the church is poor leadership. Are y'all listening to me today? I, I, I believe that many times we have people who have maybe good hearts, but they are not been uh, trained up to be good leaders. And they're sad to say there are many pastors that maybe flow in that role, and good men, but have not been uh, trained and developed to be good leaders. And when you don't have good leaders, churches tend to, to go astray and not be effective in reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, so so the image of a flock is often used in the Bible to describe God's people. Go back to first Peter. Uh, five it says, and, and, and now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I'm, I too am an elder and a witness to the servants of Christ, and I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Verse two, let's read it again. Care for what? The flock that God has what? Entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it but because you are eager to serve God. Anytime that you have been entrusted to lead anything in the church, uh, either in the community or whatever, but particularly in the church, make sure that you do it willingly and not grudgingly. A good leader understands his role. A good leader has a passion for the assignment that has been entrusted to him. And a good leader will do it willingly and not grudgingly. Here's my take as your pastor. If you are in a position right now as a leader of a ministry and you're doing it grudgingly, you don't really want to do it, but you're doing it because, well, you know, I, I, yeah, you know, I told Pastor I'd do it, so I'm just going to do it. I, I, I really wish you would just come to me and say, Pastor, you know what? Uh, this is not my passion, and uh, I, I, I wish that you would pray about putting somebody else in this position. Because if you don't have a passion for what you're doing, you don't need to be doing it. I don't care if it's ushering. I don't care if it's singing in the choir. I don't, I don't care what it is. If you don't have a passion for doing it, then and, and you don't have a leading from the Holy Spirit to do it, you just you just in there out of quote obligation. 
then the best thing for you to do is to is to is, is to go to that ministry leader, or if you leave that ministry, especially, you need to come to me and say, Pastor, uh, you know, this is not my passion any longer, and I want you to pray about slide somebody else into this position, and that's cool. Because again, if you've gotten burnt out, if you if you lost focus, then don't don't mess other people up because you all messed up. Messed up people mess people up. Have y'all discovered that? And sometimes you don't know that they messed up. You know they just they just don't act like they you know really been praying very much. They mean, they honoring, they loud, they 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 are obtrusive. They're, they 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 don't lead well. And maybe it's because they are out of position. And so in the process of evaluating leadership, that's something that that I as a pastor got to do a better job of of monitoring and managing the leadership team. Because ultimately, God's going to come to me and say, why don't you let that person go on for five years? And there were signs of burnout and signs of non-effectiveness in their leadership. What am I going to tell God? Well, you know, God, I I was going to do it. But you know what? You know, he's been doing it for five years. She's been doing it for five years. That's going to hurt their feelings. Now, you think that's going to fly with God at the beam of judgment seat of Christ? How many times have we done stuff to keep from hurting people feeling or not done something to keep from hurting people feeling? How many times in your own life have you not made a decision because you were going to hurt somebody's feeling? I need some hands right. And how many, how many of you know that, that in, in that particular position, uh, sometimes we allow the, the, the whole of what we're doing to suffer to spare the feelings of that one who's really... Maybe a good person, but they're just out of place. Amen? And so what God is, what Peter is saying here it, it, to, to the, the leaders and the elders is care for the flock that God has entrusted you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. So he says, whatever you do for the Lord, do it willingly and not grudgingly. How can you tell when someone is doing something grudgingly? Anybody? Give me, give me a few things. How can you tell somebody's doing something grudgingly? Attitude. That's a big one, right? What else? Okay, grumpy. That's at, huh? Oh, yeah, they're not prepared. They're not faithful. Oh, oh okay, that's part of attitude. They slam stuff down. Okay. <laughs> that means they're doing the grudging. Okay, I can buy that. All right. All those are signs. Attitude. Uh, you know, you know, how you approach it. Not preparing, doing things at the last minute, uh, you know, not really giving any forethought to what to what what their assignment is. OK, that's a, that's a sign that somebody is 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 is, is doing something grudgingly. I, I, I can buy all of those. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve what God. Now, again, watch this. He says the flock, the flock. I told I shared with you guys before that the image of a flock is often used in the Bible to describe God's people. And, and it's a good illustration. Why? Because, number one, sheep, whether you know it or not, are clean animals, unlike dogs and pigs. Go to 2 Peter 2, verse number 20. 2 Peter 2, verse number 20. Everybody say, sheep are clean animals. See, when you're, when you're God's, part of God's family, you're not described as a dog or a pig. All right? 2 Peter 2, 20 says what? And when the people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. 21 says what? It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a what? A holy life. 22. It says what? They, they, it says they prove the truth of this proverb. A what? A dog returns to its vomit. And another says a washed pig what? Returns to the mud. I don't care how, how many times you clean him up, he's going back to the hog pen. Because that's what, that's what pigs do. Pigs wallow and swap. All right? So, so a dog returns to his vomit, a washed pig returns to the mud. So, so, so what are you saying, Pastor? Well, sometimes we don't, we don't recognize that, that there are people in the church who keep wallowing in the pig pen because they, they never wore sheep. they pigs. 
That's why they keep going back to the pig pen. And you keep wondering why they keep doing it. Why they keep messing with them? Why they, why they go to the slop in the pig pen? It's because they never had a transformation. They're in the church. Yes, they got baptized, but baptism by itself don't save you. Baptism is the sign of salvation. It's the outward sign, but the, the act of baptism is not what saves you. If there's not an inward transformation, then that outward show is fake. So that's why sometimes in church, we see people doing the stuff, same stuff over and over again. It's because that's what pigs do. Pigs go back to the slop. They go back to the hog pen. Are y'all listening to me today? But sheep are not like that. Sheep are clean animals, okay? Go look, look with me. Think this just for a second. Watch this. Sheep tend to flock together. Okay, write that down. Number two, sheep tend to flock together. Sheep are clean animals and they tend to flock together. Amen. And God's people need to be together. Uh, Hebrews 10 and 25 says, forsake not to assemble yourselves together, but come together even more as you see the day approaching. We as a body of believers should have communion with each other. We use the term around here, authentic community. And guys, we, we do desperately need to do a better job of having authentic community. In other words, connecting with other believers so that we can help each other grow so that we can be there to help guide each other. We are our brother's keepers, okay? So sheep, amen, tend to flock together. And God's people need to be together, okay? So number one, sheep are clean animals. Number two, sheep tend to flock together. And third thing, sheep are notoriously ignorant and prone to wander away if they don't follow the shepherd. Sheep are notoriously ignorant and prone to wander away if they don't follow the shepherd. Okay? Everybody say, sheep don't know. That's what the word ignorant means. And they're prone to wander away if they don't follow the shepherd. Okay? Now, uh, fourth thing about sheep. Now, now, now that's, that's, that's really important there because that's why it's important for us to be together, especially when you have a new convert someone who just came to Christ or someone who's, who's connected with our ministry for the first time, it's important that we hang together. It's important that we stick together because if we, are, if we have some authentic community, that means that I will know when you miss church. There are some people that, that for whatever reason, we have, we have failed to do a good job of connecting them to the church as new members. So when they miss, you won't know that they miss because you don't even know their name. I'm saying I'm not saying you individual. I'm talking about we as a church ought to have a good bead on who's a part of our church family. And when that person has missed two or three Sundays in a row, they should be so closely connected that they're getting a phone call from somebody besides me. All right. So if I'm the only one that's doing the calling, I'll forget. I promise you I will, because I don't know that they're not here all the time. If you are connected to them on a, on a more intimate level, then you'll know. But they're not here, right? Because you're in authentic community, right? That's, uh, you know, that, that's critically important for us to begin to think about that. And I think one of the reasons why, well, I don't know, one of the reasons why we don't, we may not do authentic community the way we need to be, to do is because sometimes some of us are kind of standoffish. Let me say it again. Sometimes we can be standoffish. You know, you know what standoffish mean? Don't want to be bothered with people. All right, and, and, and if you notice Jesus, what he did with his disciples, he spent time with them, didn't he? He ate with them. Is that correct? They went places together. So I want to ask you a question. And, and just think about it for a second. And I, I'm not throwing stones in the bottom. We're trying to learn so we can grow. How many people in EBC have you done anything with outside of church? Just think about it for a second. How many of your fellow church members have you ever went to lunch with or had dinner over or invite them over to your house? Oh, that many? So you got to ask the question, why is that? Why is it that I, you know, kind of you know, feel a little awkward about the church member coming to my house, is it because you're in something you shouldn't be in? Or is it because just maybe, maybe you're not accustomed 
to authentic community. I believe that a, a big part of it is, is many of us aren't accustomed to off, what authentic community really is. And many of us don't even have it with our own family members. So if we don't have it with our own family members, you know, we don't do very well at having it with our church members. Right? Okay, we got real quiet then. Pastor, you, you, you trying to tell me to, 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 to hang out with a church member. I just, I just want to come and hear the word and get preached to and go home. Uh, I, I ain't signed up for all that. Well, when you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you signed up. Because God reaches people through people. And guess what? He wants to use you, little old you, to reach someone else in his body. Everybody say, authentic community is needed at EBC. Okay? So we, 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 should, we should be closely connected to, to somebody. At least every member in this church should have somebody who they're closely connected to and have done something outside of church with. Okay? So right now, I want you to think, think, think about yourself. If you're one of those members who don't want to be bothered by nobody else, then why are you here? I want you to ask yourself that question. Because if, if God wants to use you to reach somebody else, but you don't want to be around anybody else, I'm not saying you hang out with them five days a week. I'm saying there ought to be a, enough of an authentic community with that person where if you don't, if they're not here for two weeks or three weeks, you know about it. Okay? Amen? Can we keep moving? Because after all, we sheep. Hello? Sheep tend to flock together and God's people need to be together. Sheep are notoriously ignorant and prone to wander away if they don't follow the shepherd. Amen? Are y'all listening to me today? Um, you know, as your pastor, I have to keep reminding you all, the flock, again and again about coming to Bible study. You guys are here, right? But every Sunday, yeah, so I'm not talking to y'all, obviously, but there are people who are going to be here Sunday who are not here tonight, right? And, and, and I'm going to keep reminding people the importance of corporate Bible study, Okay. But, but, but time and time again, I have to remind, amen, uh, you, if you're not careful when you're in leadership, you'll get frustrated when people don't do what you know they know to do. Can I get a witness? But here's what I've learned. I've, I've learned patience down through the years. Amen? Because as an as a, as a, as a under-shepherd who's responsible for the flock, I can't afford to get frustrated with you. All right, because I got to keep preaching to you. And if I'm frustrated with you every week, I'm a, I may have an attitude while I'm up and preaching. Right? Come on now, you know when you get frustrated with people, you, you, you kind of get a little tood with them. Right? <laughs> so as a pastor, I got to keep reminding the flock, because the flock was scattered, right? Over and over again. Bible study. Sunday school, so that you won't wander and drift away. I got to remind you to bring your Bible to church, pay attention, right? We got the screen, but you need your Bible too. You need to be able to write something down in the margins just so when you get back home, when you get back home, when you get back home, when you open your Bible, you don't have the screen. Now, you don't have that screen at home, but you got an iPad, you got true enough, but you need to be able to write something, make some notes somewhere. Can I get a witness? But I got, I got, I got to keep in mind, sheep, amen, sheep, old sheep, sheep, y'all sheep, sheep, just, just give me a little bye. Okay, sheep. I, I know that, I, that, that may sound a little, little, little elementary schoolish, but, but again, sheep, 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 sheep are notoriously unlearned and prone to wander away from the shepherd, okay? Now, now watch, watch this. Sheep, if you're unwilling to follow your shepherd, you need to evaluate if you are truly in the right place, okay? Because if sheep are going to be productive, they must follow the shepherd. Jesus Christ himself, amen? I'm the under-shepherd. 
I'm just only telling you what Jesus told me to tell you. Okay, so uh, here's the fourth uh, component as it relates to sheep. Okay, sheep are defenseless for the most part. Okay, they are defenseless for the most part and need their shepherd to protect them. Sheep are defenseless for the most part and they need their shepherd to protect them. Um, Psalm 23 and 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, and my, and yet thy staff comfort me. Right? So the good shepherd, Jesus Christ is with us, but you need an under-shepherd too in your local church body to be with you too. So sheep are defenseless for the most part and need their under-shepherd to protect them. Uh, that's what God, that's what Peter was talking about here in, in, in his fifth chapter. The, the next thing I want you to write down. Sheep are very useful animals. Everybody say sheep are very useful animals. Jewish shepherds tended their sheep, not for the meat, for the most part, which would have been, been costly, but, but they did it for the wool, the milk, and for the lambs that they produce. All right? God's people should be useful to him and certainly ought to reproduce themselves by bringing others to Christ. Here is the sad reality in a lot of our churches today. We have people, we have sheep who never begat sheep. The sad reality is, is that in the church, I mean, we have people who come into church, saved, and they died and going to heaven, but have never reached anybody else for Christ. And that is why we are still here. If we as a church don't do that, Effectively, we're not we're not holding up our end of the bargain. The Holy Spirit is the one that draws, Amen. The Holy Spirit is the one that saves, but we have a part to play in that. Okay, are y'all with me? That's why we started tracking the number of conversions, either through direct uh, leading to Christ or through through our outreach efforts when we people come to Christ or through. We have people come to Christ even through our radio ministry. And we track those because it's important for us to keep saving a soul at the forefront of our minds. We don't want to be sitting here year after year and see no conversions. We don't want to be sitting here year after year and never see the baptismal pool be occupied. I was, uh, um, I think it was Sunday, or I don't know if it was this Sunday or the other, a couple Sundays ago, uh, little Miss, uh, Kaylee, uh, Nate, and Alicia's little daughter came up, and she had been talking. She talked to me a little bit because she'd come up and give me a hug. She'd been talking a little bit in about wanting to be baptized, and and I, I told her, "Hey, baby, do you understand who Jesus is?" She, you know, nod the head and that type of thing. But sometimes kids would just be saying that. But I want to make sure. And so, so apparently, she'd been talking to her mom and dad about it, cause she went on and told them about it, and then they sat her down and and talked her through it, make sure she understood what it meant to be saved. And she came up with them a couple of Sundays ago and said she wanted to get baptized because she's saved. And so whenever, when, when we keep having young ones get baptized and when a young man, uh, Brother Jones, Tamarcus Jones, amen, I, I'm, I'm assuming he's in his 20s. He got saved in his 20s, late 20s. I don't know how old he is, but a young man getting baptized. That, that man, that refreshes me because that's what this thing is all about. Here's the other part. Not only that, is Katie going to get baptized, but her mom is going to get baptized too. Because she wants, she, on Easter Sunday, we're going to baptize mama and daughter. That's what this thing is all about, guys. Transforming lives. Sheep begat sheep. So as the under-shepherd, I want to make sure that I'm doing a sufficient enough job to help train and develop the sheep to beget more sheep. But the sheep got to be willing to intermingle with the goats to get them to be sheep. You got you to be willing to intermingle with the pigs, even though they got a little slop and stink on them. You got to be willing to intermingle with them to build a relationship so you can share with them and get them saved and they can become sheep. Are y'all listening to me? You got to be willing to intermingle with some of the, some of the dogs who return to their vomit, according to what the scripture says. In order to reach the dog. You can't reach the dog if you never interface with the dog. All right? So sheep, amen, uh, were useful animals. Okay? Uh, and, and the Jewish shepherd, again, uh, would, 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 would use them constantly for the wool and the milk and the lamb. Now, 
last thing I want to tell you about sheep. Sheep were used for the sacrifices. Okay? Sheep were used for the sacrifices, and we ought to be living sacrifices, doing the will of God. Sheep were used for the sacrifices, and we ought to be living sacrifices. Okay? All right. Now get back to 1 Peter 5 and 2. So, so we see the characteristics of sheep. Guys, um, what I would hope for all of us in here to recognize is that is that we're on a journey, a spiritual journey that that has many ebb and flows throughout it. That by that I mean they're they're gonna this journey uh, of faith will look different in a lot of our lives. I mean, some of the things you're dealing with, maybe I didn't deal with. Some of the things I've dealt with, you didn't deal with. But there's going to be some stuff you got to deal with. It just, may, it just may be packaged different. We got to learn how to cast all of our cares upon Jesus so that we can be in a position so when those things come, they don't knock us out the box. Okay? Y'all with me still? All right, so go back to verse 2. It says, feed the flock of God which is among you. Uh, take Taking the oversight thereof. Now notice, you, you, you notice that the shepherd is is, is 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 both among them and he's over. Feed the flock of God which is among you, all right? Taking the oversight thereof. In other words, as the under shepherd, as the spiritual leader, I am among you at the same time I'm over from a responsibility standpoint. Y'all got that? Is that what it says? Can we read it out loud fully, completely? It says what? Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Amen? Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Because he is one of the sheep, the pastor is among the members of the flock. I, I, I'm among you. I'm, I'm your brother in Christ. Amen. But because he's called the pastor, the under shepherd is called to be a leader, the pastor is also over the flock. Now, there are people who try to emphasize the among and in the relationship, but refuse to follow the authority of the shepherd. Um, there are people who don't understand the role of a pastor in their spiritual journey. And so as a result, they never, they never really see the pastor as, as having authority to speak in their life, other than when they want them to come straighten their wife out. There, there are some brothers I know who, 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 who don't talk about spiritual things until they want me to try to help. I'm being facetious when I say that. But, but they want spiritual guidance when the wife is not acting right. But they don't want no spiritual guidance when they've gone astray. And there's some women who want spiritual guidance and want me to help straighten their husband out. But I can't straighten your husband out because, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, God can't straighten him out with, without his permission. So I can't do something that God can't do. God is, all of us have a free will. And if a man or a woman won't follow the book, won't follow the teachings of the word of God, then, then you, then they're not going to move on the things of God because they first of all must submit themselves to the will of God, which is the Word of God. Are y'all with me today? Now I'm going to do my very best as a as a pastor to feed you, but but some of y'all, some of y'all are, are taking the food, chewing it, and then when I ain't looking, you spit it out. Huh? You chew it while you're in front of me. Oh, Pastor, that's good. That's what what God's word said. Okay, Pastor, we're gone. Soon you got the dope. (laughs) Because what what do most sheep do? Most sheep start looking at the other sheep and don't look at themselves. Do the word for yourself. You can't do the word for nobody else. I promise you, if, 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 if you're in covenant relationship, whether you're married, whether you're a church member or a neighbor or a family member or a cousin or uncle or grandma or whoever, if you would do the, if everybody would do what the word says for themselves, then we're going to be all right. 
It's too easy to point at some other sheep. When the sheep ought to be concerned about digesting the word for themselves. Are y'all with me? Okay. Now, now, so some people don't respect the office of a pastor because the pastor is among, yet at the same time, over. Okay. Others want to put the pastor on a pedestal and make him like a super saint, like he's God or somebody. You can't go down that hallway. That's pastor coming through now. Watch out. Get back. Now, listen, I understand about security. And there's some things we've been talking about church security. I understand, you know, being watchful, being on guard. But some of this stuff is foolish. And I don't see it as much because I'm not around it as much as, as, as I used to be. But there are some foolishness that goes on when the way people probably put their pastor up on a pedestal and to the point where you can't even touch him at the church. You go touch him, there's five guys around him with guns. Here's what I'm saying. Our mentality and attitude, don't put your man of God on a pedestal, but you ought to respect your man of God and woman of God. Y'all with me? We got to make sure that we, you know, that, that we don't that we don't put him in a place that, that he never should have been in. Because when you put him in a place he never should have been in, when he falls, you're going to fall right along with him. And he's not perfect, so you're going to make some mistakes, amen? All, all, all men do. But we got to make sure that we don't put them on a, on, a, on a pedestal. The affected pastor needs both relationships. The affected pastor needs both relationships to be among and yet at the same time over. He got, he's got to be among his people so that he can get to know them, their needs and their problems, and he needs to be over his people so he can lead them and help solve their problems. Okay? So, so the first thing I want you to just jot down real quickly is that, is that number one, you, you should have it, that good leaders realize that they are caring for God's flocks, God's flock and not their own. I love all y'all, but y'all don't belong to me. I try very, that's my thing, I, I don't think I ever say this, but I hear, I hear some pastors say, and I know what they mean, my member. You're not my member. You really are not. That's why I, when you mess up, I turn you over to God. When you're being hard-headed, don't want to follow, I turn you over to God. Because that's who you belong to. Amen? Are you following me? All right, so write this down and we're going we're we're to, gosh, we're out of time. We're going to stop. We're going to stop here. Number two, good leaders lead out of an, out of an eagerness to serve not out of obligation. Good leaders lead out of an eagerness to serve and not out of obligation. Okay, y'all got that? Good leaders lead out of an eagerness to serve, not out of obligation. You got to watch out for laziness and covenants amongst leaders. Look, look again at, at, the, at the B part of verse 2. It says it's not by constraint, but willingly. Taking the oversight, not by constraint, not like your stronghold and it's you, your way or no way. Not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy, not, not for money, but of a ready mind. Okay? We got to get to that point to where every leader in this body... Amen. Is serving with that mindset. Let me give you three and four. We'll pick back, pick, pick them up on next week and, and unpack them. Number, number three, they are concerned for what they uh, good leaders are concerned for what they can give, not for what they can get. Good leaders are concerned for what they can give, not for what they can get. You want you want a leader in any ministry in this church to be concerned about what they can give, what they can pour into you, not what they can get out of you. Okay? And I'll tell you before, guys, uh, one of the things that Maria and I dearly appreciate about you guys is your attitude and your approach to serving here in the ministry. I, I can't really think of anybody who's been just outright rebellious in the church and not been willing to follow leadership. Even when you, even, even when you don't necessarily agree sometimes, because like I tell you before, uh, th- there are going to be some times, guys, when 
when the decision may be made that you that you may not necessarily would have made that same decision. But here's the mark of your maturity when you can still serve without complaining when it was done differently than the way you would have done it. If you can still serve without complaining, I don't want to do it. The way. I, I just wouldn't do it the way. Hey, I'm gonna sit here and look mad because I he didn't do it the way I want to do it. When you can, when you don't, when guys, when you are mature, you don't do that. Hello, and I tell y'all, yo, here's the kind of pastor I am. If there is something that that we do as a ministry and you don't understand it. And you want more clarity? Call me and ask about it. Come sit down and, and talk about it. Okay? I'm, I'm not the type of pastor who, who you're questioning me. No. I, I, think, I think leaders are sharpened when they have wise counsel. Leaders are sharpened when they answer questions. Amen? And so, so as, as the body of believers here, particularly as it relates to a, a spiritual principle or doctrine, we're going to teach you from the word of God. Uh, and, and so we're going to let that word stand true. So I don't have a problem at all answering questions. Okay. And, and you have to watch out for leaders who, who, who were unwilling to answer questions who get mad at you because you had a question about something. Amen. But, but sheep, sheep that are maturing know how to still serve, uh, even when they may not necessarily agree with a decision that was made. Okay. Amen. All right. So, uh, Good leaders are concerned for what they can give, not for what they can get. And, and, and fourthly, good leaders lead by example, not by force. Good leaders lead by example and not by force. Okay? And we'll unpack some of those on next week. Amen? Each one of you all that are sitting here, in some shape, form, or fashion, you lead. I'm not saying that you're a leader of a ministry, but you lead. You, when, I, when I'm using the term lead, somebody is following your example. Okay? On your job, many of y'all may not have the title of a supervisor or a manager, but you are a leader in your company. Everybody got a bad attitude because you lead them with that bad attitude. Come on now, you, you, the, the, whole, the, whole, the whole department in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a mental uh, uh, a, a mental funk because you're in a mental funk. And so you lead the department in a negative way. Even though you don't have the title of a leader, those folks are following after you. When you get a bad attitude, they get a bad attitude. Every leader is not a good leader. Amen? But I, want, I, I, I pray that, that we learn how to cast our cares upon Jesus. And, and we're getting down to that seventh that seven verse. But a lot of the attitude and how we how we do things is, the, is, is predicated on, on the type of leadership that's been exhibited toward us.